Welcome to Meeple to Meeple, uniting players from around the world. A 30-minute exploration of PJ and Gallus' board game experiences from across both sides of the Atlantic. Each episode, they share their thoughts and opinions on the world of board games, including their favourite themes, games, hot topics, and much, much more. Hello, friends, Romans, gamers, countrymen. Lend me your ears as we take you on a journey to our 50th Jubilee episode. As always, I am PJ. And I'm Gareth. And we are here to celebrate... The big five zero. Fifty. It's older than us now. It is. It is. Not far. This, pod- this podcast is officially older than PJ and Gareth. It doesn't. F- <laughs> it's what's weird. It doesn't feel like fifty, does it? I feel like we've been doing this for like ten years. Do you? Fifty. <laughs> on, one, on one hand, it feels old. On the other hand, it feels like we just started. It was only yesterday that we had that. We used to record on our phones. <laughs> I don't wonder oh what the sound quality. If anyone wants to go and witness well, the sound quality of trying to record on a app via our phones, yep. Then with a Bluetooth um, with a Bluetooth microphone and a oh, Bluetooth yeah. Bluetooth headset, oh, overloading the the phone and the echo. We were. Mm. I make it. We've done at least fifteen hundred minutes of recording, plus a few extra bonus episodes. We're probably right. it's good effort. I love that. I love that. So, we are going to talk about whatever we want. Now, um, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about games that Gareth and I think are timeless. Now we've we've discussed what we even mean by the word timeless. <laughs> right. And this came so, from the, I think fifty years. Fifty is a celebration. It's a jubilee. It's golden. Golden. Right. Has a kind of timelessness to it. So we went. That's the theme. And then we went away and realized that that's actually quite difficult because everyone's got a different view of timeless. Everyone has a very different view. I spent all week looking at websites, looking at Reddit, looking at Board Game Geek. What do you think is a timeless game? What do you think is timeless? And I'm like, oh man, they're really, everyone had a different one. But, you know, Miriam Webster says that timeless means that it's it doesn't grow old. It doesn't show the effects of age. And we're going to attempt to talk about in however yeah that's, long a, that's the approach i've taken which is i've just yeah. i wouldn't look through my games collection i haven't included games that i don't own or haven't played right so i'm sure there's lots of games that people could right. recommend and if they right. have their own timeless you know let us know in the comments and i've tried to pick games that i enjoy as much today um and would choose over other games in my collection if push came to shove so that means that of all the games you're going to hear in this episode that we're going to talk about, these are games that we we played and still want to play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's, yeah, yeah, I think so. Let's yeah. see where we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, and I think we should, let's get it out of the way right now is I think that, so there is a game that's timeless, but it's not one, it's not very popular, right? We even mentioned a little bit before recording and that's, Monopoly. I had that recommendation when I was talking is, to my kids. Is Monopoly timeless? I mean, I'm not trying to argue the virtue of the game, whether it's good or bad, but is it timeless? It depends whether it's the design or the concept. I mean, there's many families who love Monopoly 
and but I guess there's seasoned gamers who don't, and there's plenty of board gamers, as in hobby gamers, yeah. who just see the designers rolling dice. So I haven't, I haven't got Monopoly. No, and I didn't put it on my selection. list either. But I thought it was an interesting conversation yeah. to have yeah, because yeah, yeah. Monopoly looks the same today as it did when it was invented. What? In the first a long time ago, I'm not even going to try guessing now. No, and I think, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and and I have plenty of fond memories as a kid mm -hmm. of playing Monopoly and sometimes cheating, being a banker, and what things we used to get up to, and the various house rules we had, and they were good times. Yeah, um, you know, but I guess we've moved on and found a much wider range of games. And I guess to Um, be fair, if I were to play a game with my children which i don't yet have but you do um i don't know that monopoly would even hit my family table because i think that the i think the industry today has changed for the better and there's more options and there's more age appropriate options too so yeah, I think I think we once played Monopoly with the kids only because they had never played it and their friends had because we would play a much broader mm-hmm. set of games. Right. And we do we do have one copy in the house. It's a Star Wars like version from like nineteen ninety seven that's in the cupboard somewhere. Right. And while I don't want to hijack the episode to be about Monopoly, I think that, that all I think that, that all supports the idea that Monopoly is a timeless game. Right. Is it a good game? Is it a great game? Is it one you want to play all the time? We're not saying that. I think it's timeless. And so that's the framework under which we're going to try to <laughs> share, share games we think are timeless. Who's going first? I believe that is you, sir. Damn, I'm let you go well, I'll just start. I'm going to start top of the list. This list Do was it. just compiled. Um, so there, there is no order. So um, I guess this is a, a newer timeless because some people may have only just received this game what as in as in they may have just got it in the post recently um but some of us would have picked this game up back up in 2011 so i've got castles of burgundy oh yes so it's a game that uh i had originally back i think on the very early games in our collection um it's a game that we have never tired of i know the art is something people discuss but Hopefully with the new special edition, lots of new games are getting currently. That will make people feel happier. But it's one of those games that I think particularly two-player, um, we've always enjoyed. Every time we get so it's dice rolling, using a dice to manipulate, it got us into that mechanic. Plenty of other games uh, have used that same approach. I'm sure there's games beforehand. As I say, I'm only picking games that we were introduced from about 2010, or at least knew of them. Um, two to four players, really quick. It's about a 30-minute game you can blast. And then, of course, you've got the most modern version, the special edition, um, which I think if you went all all in, <laughs> has a significant price tag to it. Significant. Um, but it looks beautiful on the table. Uh, I guess it's refreshing the look. You haven't got to have all those lovely components if you don't need it. But I chose Castle of Burgundy. Interesting. So you think 40 years from now, when your grandkids are like, Grandpa, can we play Castles of Burgundy? You're going to be like, yeah, let's do it. 
I will be. You know why? Okay. Because I put the cost of that superstition into my app. <laughs> <laughs> and it might take another 40 years to get it down to like a one or two pound, a 50p a play. Okay. <laughs> so we will be sweating that asset. Okay. Um, yeah, it's still in my, yeah, who knows in 40 years. I mean, it's game true. design has, has shifted significantly. That's true. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't using the test. I think games have matured, like you said, matured and have developed massively in the last 10 years yes. and 10 years before that. So going back to Catan or other games, those aren't, you know, lots of people have got great memories, but designs move on. We're in a, is it a golden age? Something people are saying of board game design at the moment. Uh, you know, they're saying it. Who knows? There's no way to know. Yeah. Castles, Castles of Burgundy. Okay. So um, my first choice was Axis and Allies, which if you go back to, I think, episode two, where we talked about the games that got us started, that was the very first game that got me into it. And I realized it's just a, strategy war game where you're you know rolling d6 there's not a lot to it uh, but there is a lot the beauty of axis and allies for me is that while it is closing in on 40 years of age i mean is it 40 no it will be 1984 so next year it'll be 40 um how many versions there are one of the things i noticed i thought about it at gen con this year renegade games studio and they've got like a big banner for axis and allies and now they're like expanding into 1914 to do world war one so it's a game that's that's being perpetuated by the modern gaming community um and is being enhanced rather than taken away so i think the experience of axis and allies is timeless and it's something you want to play perhaps in another 40 years there may not be as many versions but i think uh, i think it's a good one and i want to get a copy of the original and play that again i've um, not i've not played yeah so no? clearly i need to, no you've never is played it, is it like risk so best, it's best, it's is risk before or after it risk came first right so the reality is is that you play one of the in the original 1984 version you play one of the five major superpowers during world war ii right and it's teams so it could be up to five players so the american british and um soviet players are on a team together and the germans and the japanese are on a team together and you table you can't get up and leave you've got a table talk at the table so your opponents can hear what you're doing and then you just you play and infantry units when they attack they have a specific dice roll but when they defend it's a specific each unit so you've got infantry and tanks later on artillery you've got all kind of different naval vessels and they all have mm-hmm. a specific dice roll um, airplanes bombers you've got any aircraft guns to combat that so it, it really breaks it down but you're still rolling d6 and it's just you have a specific dice roll to counter as a hit um, and then it's up to the defender to choose what units he's lost uh, whenever he takes a hit, and the vice versa. So it sounds like that. Is it, have you seen? Have you seen War Room? The big circular. Yeah, map? I sounds, have. Sounds very. Because I think one of our friends George has got it, and it sounds. He talked about the rolling dice and a certain symbol. So, um, but that's well, and probably Axis and Allies, steroids. Yeah, Axis and Allies predates War Room. Oh, War yeah, Room yeah. looks really cool. Though, War Room's relatively. I think it's like. Well, yeah. I think the second edition was last year. Yeah. 
Um, so, but I think Axis and Allies is a timeless game, which is interesting because it's a war strategy game that didn't always appeal to a large audience, but apparently now it's it crosses demographics, uh, you know, gender, um, sex identity, whatever you're. It, it crosses all the demographics now. Whereas before, when it came out in 84, it only appealed to a smaller market. But yeah. clearly, and clearly, for advertising grown. it and banners at yeah. you know, the conventions, it's still got yep. plenty of life in it still. So, yeah. Um, I have got Carcassonne. Yep. The reason yep. for this, I mean, everyone knows, should know Carcassonne, um, is that we've acquired other tile placement games in the last 10, 10 or so years. And nothing really has replaced it. Now I was quite late to add in this to my collection, but we'd played it quite a bit. Um, there's something that is so, so quick and easy. Yeah. The, the design, the scoring mechanics, I've never added in expansions in the base game is, I feel all I need. Um, I felt, felt, it would be remiss not to have it in my list when I was looking through thinking it, it, that is timeless. And it's, I don't know what the age of the game is now. I should have looked. You, you're absolutely correct. I would say that it's timeless. I definitely agree with you. Um, I thought about hitting it on my list. Um, it's definitely, yeah. I feel like every tile placement game, I don't know if you feel this way, every tile placement game that I play today, I always compare it back to Carcassonne. Yeah, I was thinking like Land and, Land and Sea, which I think was a couple of years ago, which I really enjoyed, but it's just a bit more fiddly. It just it just made it overly complicated. Carcassonne was 2000, so 20, 23, 23 years. 23 years. Um, again, we, it's a nice, we class it as a filler. We just grab it at the back end of the night. Um, for a quick two or three player game. But um, if you haven't heard of Carcassonne, then obviously check it out because it's perfect for families, mm-hmm. any gaming group, and is um, yeah, it's quick to play. It's very straightforward, but it's deep in its strategy. So it's really... Yeah. I mean, every game, you make that beautiful landscape of, a, mm-hmm. of, the, of the cities around Carcassonne or villages around Carcassonne. Yeah. Um, you can teach it very very quickly so to any age group every, i mean kids have played it that makes it you know so accessible so that was my um that's my next edition i like it i think it's a great idea that's a that's a good game to add to the list um i'm so sorry i didn't hit my list but in the same vein not tile placement but kind of coming from the same time period i chose ticket to ride Ooh, yeah um first of all who doesn't love trains right um second of all it's been around for such a long time and there's so many there's so many versions and even though we say versions they're just maps right and they add a new mechanic to it but um i mean there's what the 20th the 20th anniversary edition of europe recently came out won't be long until we get 25 or whatever, right? whatever, is it 15th anniversary? Whatever the anniversaries are. And I totally understand, and I want to give, I want to at least give a moment to the, the critics of Ticket to Ride. Yes, you may spend multiple rounds just drawing cards, and, and yes, you might get blocked out by an opponent. Um, that 
is just the nature of a competitive game. Um, and I saw, so understand the criticisms of the game, but I think it's a great gateway game. There's something for everyone. Uh, each map, like some maps are better than others for sure. So if you don't like just the basic set collection and laying down trains on a, on a map, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania and UK, which are both printed, they're printed on either side. Pennsylvania introduces the option of stocks, which is cool, and more points. The UK introduces technologies, and that's mm-hmm. probably that's probably my favorite of the Ticket to Ride maps. But um, the the basic core of the game stays, and I just think it has staying power. You know, everyone knows it. It's uh, a bestseller. You know, hundred hundred. Hundred million copy. Yeah, I just I was just thinking about train games, and there's like I try to think of other games, train games themed, right? That don't overcomplicate because you got brass, and you got um eighteen XX, you know, XX all the games, 18. and then you got the it, railways it, of America, Russia, all, the world. Yeah, ultimate railroads or yep. um, Russian railroads. They all just dial it up one step. So if you average get average gamer, as in family gamer, ticket ride is that most accessible step. And then it, really it becomes is. overly complicated. And we've yep. got we've got other train games, but you're right, nothing nothing else really fits the that that gap of entry into train games. There's car games right. and others, but sure. I think I think it, from an accessibility perspective, I think you might. I think you're right. I think it'll be there. Yeah. So I think it's going to have to come in really special to move that out of that gateway entry into the board gaming world that happens to be train, train themed. Yeah. I so <clears throat> I think what Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride yeah have in common is in the sense of timeless. There's a nostalgia. So forty years from now, when I play Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne. I'll remember back to playing it the first time and it'll give me that, that nostalgic feeling. And yet they're solid games. Are they, are they advanced? Like you said, there are other train games that are more advanced. There's other tile placement games that are more advanced. So, um, but yeah, I think Ticket to Ride is one that's going to stick around mm. for quite a while. Nice. Yeah. So my next choice is also from the year 2000. Okay. Um, probably not as well known, but is a game that has been everywhere with us. Um, most people, I'm sure that everyone I, who I offer to play a game with falls in love with it and ends up buying the copy. Um, it's easy to teach. Um, it looks great on the table. And that is Hive. You know, I've never played Hive. You're Tell missing me out. More. It's, Tell me more. It's a, it's a two-player game. It comes in these. Well, there's two versions. There's a hive and a pocket hive, but then it's, it's the same game with these um, baker-like um, components of different insects, um, and you're just laying down tiles. In this case, these are these baker-like ones. Um, you've got like. Um, you've got the queen bee, and all you've got to do is surround the other player's queen bee with your with your tiles. And you might have grasshoppers that can jump uh, in straight lines. You might have spiders that crawl around the edge. Ants can scurry anywhere. 
Um, we set it up at barbecues. We set it up on the beach. It travels everywhere. And um, again, I haven't found a game that I can find to replace it. And PJ, you need a copy. I do. And it's two player. Oh my God. How are we not, how are we not hit this? I, I know the game. I'm just surprised that we don't own a copy. Mm. And um, it's got a couple of expansions, like little ladybugs and a mosquito, which adds to it. But I say it's, it's, it is wonderful. It's not expensive. Um, and it's a game that is, I say, we're going to go out somewhere. It's a game I pick off the, I'll pick off the shelf and pop it okay. in someone's bag. Oh, travels that well. Okay. Yeah. Um, a two-player tile placement game that travels well. Why do I not own and, this? And it it there's loads of you know they're not strategy, tactical maneuvering. Right, you're always trying to outwit and block people's positions. Um, because yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Hmm. That to me is a game that will always be in our collection. Um, and is called Hive. Hive. Hi. I'll talk to Katie after this episode and be like, hey, we need to pick this game up. Um, so sticking with the year 2000, my next one comes from 2000 as well. And that's River Dragons. I've never heard of River Dragons. <laughs> Tell me uh, more. So River Dragons is a game. It's two to six players. I was first introduced to it when I was in grad school. I'd never seen it, heard of it before. So you have, uh, we all have a hand of a deck of cards and they're, they're all identical and you have certain actions where you place pebbles or you lay down, um, wooden planks. You're trying to build a bridge across the river and you're trying to get from your end of the river to the other end before your opponents and you can block them you can remove planks you can remove rocks you can also you have um five dragons in the opposing five colors it is a six player but you wouldn't block yourself so and then it's a program so you put five cards down in front of you face down and we all flip the left card at the same time and then do whatever it says in turn order um and it's just it's crazy good uh, I can't tell you how many times, like, I think I'm I'm going to take the action where I'm going to jump. So I'm going to move my guy and jump over someone else. But because of someone moved, if there's no one for me to jump over, I jump into the water and go swimming and go back to my man. How many times do I jump in the river? It's a great question. <laughs> At least three times per game. Um, and you don't want to do that. You want to walk and jump away on along the planks. And it's just amazing. It's so simple, but there's so much um, maximum player interaction in terms of getting in your opponent's ways or thwarting them by removing their planks. You have six planks in six different lengths. And you can oh, just look at the visuals. It, yeah, looks, and it looks lovely. Yeah, with those different numbers. Different one to six. Planks. And you cannot have two of the same length, right? Uh, okay. So that's where it gets really interesting. So it's like you're one movement away from winning. And if I can remove that two, number two plank, then you're going to have to figure it out. But I already have a two plank, so I can't remove it. So yeah, there's. Um, 
It's a really fun game. Uh, our group tends to enjoy it. I think it's going to be just as good in 40 years. That's not to say there might not be something better that'll come along, but I think it'll still be fun. And I'm trying to look at the pictures. I haven't read the rules, but I'm trying to think of things that would be similar. And I can see elements, but again, I can't think of a game that completely, like the whole programming thing is jumping over yep. stuff. Yep. Um, I yeah, can't think of, I can't think of anything. It was so much fun. You know, after a long day of working in grad school, you get a bunch of grad students together for, you know, a couple of drinks after a meal and play river dragons. That's a lot of fun, but here we are. I mean, that was 2006. So, you know, here and we it are. It plays well with six players as well. Oh my God. It plays the more, the better. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And that's always so, good to see because six players is always that tricky. It's very tricky. But there's no time for um, analysis paralysis because yeah, yeah it's quick. You because you're going to flip the card. You just do what it yeah. says. So that's River Dragons. I'm breaking it down. Yeah. River Dragons. Um, so I'm going to slightly uh, newer release. This is 2000. And I think it's 2010. 2010. Um, now you know I'm a massive Civilization fan. I, do. I love my Civ. I love my Civ games, um, and there's been plenty of them. But Sid Meier's Civilization from 2010, yeah. yeah, is by far the best. Um, it with notes with the expansions. So oh, I would okay. say I would say um, once you add in Wisdom and Warfare and Fame and Fortune, that makes it the best Civ game I've ever played. It hits all the boxes. Um, it's got the tech trees. It's got really nice warfare. I've got exploration. I've got resource gathering. I've got battling with people. I've still some of my favorite stories is firing a nuke right at the end of the game because no one realized I'd found the <laughs> wherever, wherever I needed to find. Um, there's been there was a reskin of that, the new Dawn version, I don't know, mid 2015, 16. Yeah. yeah. That just, just, just didn't. It wasn't the same. Um, I love Through the Ages and other Civ games like that, but for this, this one will always be, to me, the best adaption, the best version of a Civilization game that isn't overly complicated because there's many right. more out there that run for 12 hours. Yep. Um, it, it can be taught to, you, to, I guess, anyone who comes over without too much complexity. He says, thinking about what's, what's the way? Yeah, 3.9. Um, it is epic. It's a good two to four hours, um, but it's up there as my timeless civilization game. Love it, Sid Meier's. He's just a genius. Um, so I'm going to go back a year to 1999. 1999, and you know that I am an avid fan of two-player games so i'm gonna do my two-player timeless game and that is lost cities nice yes yep by our dear dear friend reiner canizia who seems to just everything he plays is everything he designs is magical lost cities is still to this day our go-to two-player game uh thursday nights when my friend david and i get together for a two-player night we at least play Lost Cities once. Um, 
I love it because we can just have a casual conversation, hang out, and the game is going on in front of us. Um, and yet it's still, you got to pay just enough attention. I mean, it's simple. You've got five colors in front of you and you need to put the numbers, play the cards in front of you to try to claim the most points. And you have to get, you have to hit 20 points first because you're going to subtract 20 points from your score. So you want to be careful not to diversify too much. And you have these little handshake cards that will uh, that you have to play before you play numbered cards in order to multiply your ultimate score. Um, that's just good. It's so good. You played over three rounds. Uh, there was a Lost Cities uh, tournament at Geekway, so it What's still that? has a okay. It, there's still appeal so much so that there's competitive play twenty four years later. So. Um, Lost Cities is so good. It's just it's just good play. Yeah, I I've only ever played it. I think I've got, on a mobile app. I think there's a yeah. really good mobile version for it. I need to really enjoy it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one, one of the first. To, it's what I should add to my collection. Actually, you should. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's one of my first two player games with Katie. Um, so yeah, Lost Cities. You can't go wrong. So we're gonna take it home with our. The one game you and I agree on. So this one is it? Is it a modern timeless class? I don't. Know, I don't know. But <laughs> but I mean, from an age of the game, as in the era, right? That the game is from. Anyone who knows this podcast will know that it's a certain game that we talk about um, in every episode. in every episode. Two thousand eighteen. It's probably stretching the timeless bit, but but obsession. That's right. Is a game that holds history well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Tableau building. Being tableau building. Tile um, placement a little bit. Tile placement a little bit. Um, That asymmetric house that you start with. Yep. Um, It is our 50th episode. So we should always refer back to the game that we've talked about the most in this time. We really must get Dan on this show, actually, at some point. We um, need to do that. Maybe when there's uh, the next expansion comes out. But yep. yeah, obsession. Well, I think it's weird. We both wrote it down. We haven't compared notes. We both we wrote it down for similar reasons that it's um it's got a lot, lot of nostalgia to it already. <laughs> um, but you open that box, you know, and we've talked about there's a there's a there's always a feeling that I need to serve tea, and we have a Spotify playlist. Spotify playlist. Playing lovely. music from the from the uh, from the Victorian age, mm-hmm. um, and even these sometimes I feel as if I should dress up in some Victorian attire, which You're we've never got to. to. Have, I, yeah. yeah, we was yeah yeah hasn't happened. Need to sort that out. Maybe maybe if autumn winter coming here in the northern hemisphere, we should uh, we should make that so. But yeah, obsession end up my list because of you know our obsession with that game on this podcast. How about you? Uh, hey. And if those who, if we were filming this, PJ's even I, turned up dressed, dressed to impressed. I am wearing my obsession t-shirt today. It's a lovely t-shirt. Obsession. I hadn't actually great? connected. Yeah, now I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. I need one of those. It's nice. It has it has all the meeples in their colors from Obsession uh, printed on the shirt. So I know you can't see it, but there you go. Yeah, no Obsession. I think Obsession is going to be one of those timeless games that forty years from now we're still going to be talking about and playing. Um, maybe there'll be reskins, maybe there'll be more versions. 
I can't I can't see too much growth for that game, but maybe. I mean, the, the I guess the the theme is pretty niche. I mean, remember, I think I said it it originally when we started talking about it, I didn't even engage with it because all I thought was Downton Abbey, and then of course I was educated, mm-hmm. and uh, it became a firm favorite um, of ours and the whole and the whole group, you know, our gaming group. Well, even um, so much, I brought it to Gen Con, and there were people who wanted to play it with me. We amazing. didn't get it. We didn't get it to the table. Um, it's not so easy at Con, is it? I think sometimes mm-hmm. he played it at like small conventions, and even then, it it's a it's it takes time to set up, pack away. It does. It does. But a certain evening, glass mm-hmm. of wine, some scones or scones, depending where you are from the UK, a top hat um, and some tuxedo. Yeah. Some cards, croquet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love Are there it. Any games? So. Any games that didn't make your list? Like games you thought about that did not make be, my did, list. Did, did, did get dismissed. Mm. While you're thinking, I, I, I was thinking about Monopoly a minute ago, and a game right. that was on my list, but I dismissed. But probably is the closest to Monopoly is Talisman, mm. which is, which really is rolling dice and moving around a board and you're True. collecting cards. Um, that, that got dropped off purely because it, I felt that it was more nostalgia. Really, I really was nostalgia. That's a game that I played in my teenage years. Right. And me- mechanically hasn't moved on. I mean, it's, it has definitely aged um, right. from its mechanics perspective, but yeah, I was just thinking then um, that's, that's one I didn't include. You know, we thought about, um, cause Katie and I were discussing this all week. Like, oh, what is, you know, we thought about Twilight Struggle. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. it, it was yeah, on the, yeah. num- it was number one in Board Game Geek for a for, long time. When I first so, started, yeah, gaming. So it's still good. It's still a great, in fact, we played it yesterday. Um, it's a solid two player game. Um, I think the theme is timeless. I think it's, you know, historically accurate. I mean, it's GMT, so everything they do is just beautiful, but. Um, I don't think there's going to be another game that's going to come along in the next few years, and that's going to that's going to cover the Cold War between the Soviet Union and the United States. That's going to do it better than Twilight yeah, Struggle. That's a good. Oh yeah, I guess there's a point around the theme. Mm-hmm. So we talked about um, obsession being the one, the theme, right? Twilight Struggle being it for nuclear war. I guess I talked about. Which I think other games you said a minute ago, Axe and Alloys and and the you know those sort of things, right? Um, so interesting. So let so us we'll, hope, let us hope that our podcast will be timeless. I can say if we get to episode one hundred, we'll need to reflect mm. on whether what we said, Ooh. which maybe is only another year and a half away, yeah, whether they still hold, and we we review that list to see whether they're still timeless or we were just completely wrong. <laughs> I've got it written down, so I'm I've ready got to go. Down. <laughs> okay, well, with that, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back with our episode very, very soon. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe, and as always, we love to hear your thoughts and ideas. So make sure to leave those in the comments, and don't forget you can also chat with us both on Instagram at Meeple to Meeple. <laughs>